Welcome to the Love the Process podcast. I'm your host, Aki Dean. Have you ever wondered how leaders, entrepreneurs, trailblazers, and influencers got to the position that they're at right now? Well, we are here to find out. We're going to dive deep into the process of these leaders, these entrepreneurs, and these trailblazers and figure out how they ascended to their current position. And we're going to learn what we can take from their stories and their journey and insert into our own so that we can help unlock our potential. I'm so excited that you guys are listening and I can't wait to dive into this process with you. Let's get going. Today we have a very special guest, someone that I've been following for a while, Paul Favorites from PJF Performance. And uh, I'm really excited actually to, to dive into a conversation with him. Um, I'm sure he's going to provide a lot of value. Um, and selfishly, um, I'm extremely excited to get a lot of value out of this. So, um, first question um, that I'm going to ask is Paul, just tell him a little bit more about yourself. I, I know that you are uh, an amazing uh, trainer, an amazing entrepreneur. Um, sponsored by adidas i'm a consultant for skills um has built an instagram following that amasses i believe over 330,000 uh, followers has online training um internationally renowned uh scientifically based which is really cool for me um performance coach um so uh, if there's anything else that i'm leaving out i'm yeah, sure no, there is no that's good it's a good intro that's good um so yeah, my name is Paul Favorites. My company is PJF Performance. Um, basically, I grew up like probably a lot of you guys, uh, passionate about sports. I played baseball and basketball. Um, I kind of ran with basketball. I fell in love with it very early on, um, and I went all in, like a lot of us did. Uh, I went all in on basketball. I was like, go to the league or die trying, and uh, that, that was literally the motto. And um, I just put in work. I mean, I was so passionate about it, and I got. Um, pretty good uh, by like my sophomore junior year and I started getting some offers from division one schools and then going into my junior year I broke my wrist and only got to play the end of that season senior year I broke my hand and only got to play part of that season Um, went to community college and played got injured there never got to play a game and then I took a year off and this is the part that um, kind of started to make me known is I took a year off and I developed a vertical uh, program um, just to one, to help myself get more athletic because I was never athletic in the first place, but two, get myself healthy. And in that year, I put 12 inches on my vertical. So I went from barely touching the rim to coming back, throwing down full windmill dunks. And a lot of the coaches that witnessed the process said it was the biggest transformation they've ever seen. Um, I put a random video up on uh, YouTube, just like from my Blackberry of me doing windmill dunks. And the same Division One school started to call again. And I... I so that process started picking back up. Um, I ended up going back to Northern Arizona University. And of course, right before season, I got hurt there again. So never got to play a college game in my life. Um, and it was at that moment that I decided, you know what, I'm going to run with this and I'm going to take this program that I developed and I'm going to train as many people as I can. Mm-hmm. Um, I realized that I was very passionate about training. I was passionate about um, helping people. and so kind of ran with that and it started to really blow up pretty quick. I uh, amassed a big following in Arizona and um, basically we started training kids from five years old all the way up to college and they're all getting great results on their athleticism. Um, 
took it to Instagram and started posting like vertical jump tips, ball handling tips, and all of a sudden we were getting a thousand followers a day and it just started taking off. So from Instagram, um, NBA players started finding us, coaches started finding us, GMs, and um, started building up our credibility in the NBA circles. Um, and then I, I probably had about five or six NBA players by the time I was in my senior year of college. Um, as soon as I graduated, I moved out to California, which is where we're at now in Anaheim, um, and started to, um, to, to kind of spread and, and get, I got in with um, a GM, um, well, now GM of the Lakers, Rob Palenka, who was an agent at the time. And he told all of his guys that he's a believer in my program and he wanted everybody to try it. Wow. Uh, so we got guys like Tyus Jones, Shabazz Napier, they came in and got great results. Um, and then I got James Harden. So uh, Rob called me and said, hey, uh, James needs a strength guy. We'll get you a trial session. You got an hour to prove yourself. So drove out to Calabasas, like two hours away, and um, got my trial session in a high school gym with James Harden. And at the end of the session, James said, what's the schedule for the summer? Like, let's That's do it. Awesome. And That's so that awesome. was one of the big moments for me where I was like, yeah. wow, like I was just in college and now all of a sudden I get to work with one of the best players in the world. So, um, and then from there, it's kind of just started to roll and our NBA training business has really started to blow up. Mm -hmm. I have several trainers that work under me now, a physical therapist that works under me now. Mm -hmm. um, we have skills trainers, so we kind of have a one-stop shop here in Anaheim. Mm -hmm. um, and then I also have the online training, which is a huge part of my business where we do vertical jump programs. Um, so yeah, it's kind of it's kind of blown up fast. I mean, it's a, it's been a ton of work, obviously. Yeah. People see like, you know, my friends are like, oh, you were here and then now you're here mm -hmm. and they don't see like that process that, that you know, the all-nighters, sometimes I would stay up two nights in a row working on stuff. Yeah, so I was going to ask about that because um, I'm much lower level, but some degree similar. I started my business while I was in college because of injuries. Yeah. I had two hip surgeries and ended my career and I was like, man, I got to stay involved in the game, so let me train my teammate, the only person yeah. that would let me. And right. That's kind of how I got into training. Um, so, so how was that, you know? in college you know starting your your business or starting your at least your personal development you know with learning more about the body and everything like that um because that's not usually what the average college student right. wants to do for sure for sure it well first of all i was in the lowest point in my life mm -hmm. because like i said i went all in on basketball like, i was everything was yeah league or die and um <laughs> so like i got to that point where i was yeah. like wow i might not make it to the nba like i always thought um, and when that hit, I mean, I, just like you, I was training my teammates on the side mm -hmm. and I found a lot of joy in that. Um, and there's one point where I realized I actually like that more than I like playing. If That's I could crazy. help, if I could help another kid get better, that was actually more satisfying. Um, so for me, that kind of hit and I was already, luckily I was in school for exercise science already. Mm -hmm. So I was already learning about it. And I said, um, you know, I'm gonna start getting certifications. So my friends would go out and party, I would lock myself in the room overnight and I would just study, study, study. Um, in a year I got like three certifications. So um, I became obsessed with it. I mean, I love, I've always been interested in studying uh, about the body and that mm -hmm. kind of stuff. So that helped that I was passionate, but also that place of like hate that I had because my career didn't go well, mm -hmm. that drove me. Yeah. And it's like I took that same energy and passion and I just put it into training. And mm -hmm. that's why I was able to like grind so hard and, and learn so much. I understand completely. Um, 
<laughs> hey guys, can you shoot on that court? Thank you. Um, no, what <laughs> Some of our kids, so I can talk smack to them. Uh, okay. <laughs> um, no, so what I was going to ask is, um, was it a tough, because I know, again, that's your story, it's, it reminds me so much of mine, like, you know, staying up all night, all my you know, friends are going out and partying or playing Call of Duty till four in the morning, and I'm like, yeah watching film or something like that so but was it a tough decision I guess to like just call it you know quits because I know yeah. for me like it was like I knew I like yeah. <laughs> I already played four games my fifth year like when I came off surgery and I was like I knew it was over but I didn't it was so hard to let go of something you for know? sure no that's that's the hardest thing and like I've, I've never been over I'm still not over it yeah. like I know I'll never play but there's those times where you go out and you play and you're like yo I'm still good I can yeah, still, still I can nice. still do this but I feel like every hooper has those thoughts but yeah. uh no it was tough especially because it's extra hard for me because I grew up with mad skill like handles and shot but I never had athleticism mm -hmm. after the transformation I then had that athleticism yeah so I had a vertical in the mid 40s I mean I had handles shot I could throw down windmill dunks and it's like man I could be really using this yeah, I could be you, you were done at that point yeah so yeah. I like <laughs> I could be overseas getting a check but I was so passionate about the training side mm -hmm. that it was like which one do I like more? Yeah. You know, I like training people way more than I like that. And also, I've always been pretty driven. So my thing is like, any anytime I get involved in something, do I have potential to be the best in the world, mm -hmm. or will I just be another person? Yeah. You know. So I felt like, you know, this training stuff. I got a really good system. I love. I lo I'm passionate about learning. I'm very driven. Why can't I become one of the best in the world at basketball performance? So training? what you just said, I think, was kind of interested me when you said I, I love learning so like can you just I guess like to be very practical can you kind of tell me what a day in the life looked like when you were in college and you're like hey I'm, I'm all in I'm obsessing about it like what yeah. did it look like for you because I think a lot of times you know people may may watch this or may listen to this and they're like wow like I'm, I'm going all in too can you can you give an example of what going all in really means yeah and when you really love learning what it looks like yeah well so first of all I used to hate learning. Like I in 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 high school, I barely graduated high school. Mm -hmm. I mean, I had terrible grades. Um, I was always in the resource class because mm -hmm. I literally like I couldn't focus and I wasn't um, interested in learning. But once I started studying the body and I actually liked that, uh, I fell in love with the learning process. Mm -hmm. And then I taught myself how to learn, which that's a skill that that people don't know. You know. People in the public school system, you're taught one way, mm -hmm. but everybody's so different. We yeah. all have our own ways, and like everybody needs to figure out how they learn the best. And I didn't, I didn't learn how to learn until I started learning about stuff I was actually passionate about. Yeah, that's true. So once I started getting into that, it, everything for me felt easy. Where it was like, you know, you you guys can go out and party, but when I go out with you, I'm not as happy. I'd rather be here <laughs> yeah. studying. That's what makes me more happy. Mm -hmm. Um, because some people think it's like you could just push through it. Mm -hmm. Like, no, I like partying, right? I, I hate studying. I could just push through it my whole life. You can't. Yeah. Like, you got to be passionate about it because, like I said, like you have to feel like you're content if you're locked in your room studying. Otherwise, that fades out after a year. Yeah. So I can still do that to this day and miss out on what other people consider fun because I love it, love it so much. Um, but a typical day in college, I mean, I'd get done with my normal schoolwork yeah um 
and then on top of that I'm putting on at least two to three hours of studying on my own mm-hmm. and people think they can go in and get a degree and all of a sudden have answers but that just lays your foundation the real answers come from man well for me in the performance training industry uh, literature from the 1960s in Russia you know that people aren't even reading that's where a lot of like plyometrics started so mm-hmm. it's like how do I get my hands on where everything started and then work from there mm-hmm. so that I have progressive knowledge and I'm not just picking and choosing like certain Instagram posts you yeah. know <laughs> so that that's one thing is today people are like learning bits and pieces from Instagram mm-hmm. and they get the tip of the iceberg but they don't have what's actually underneath they don't have substance that's 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 a golden nugget right that's tweetable yeah, yeah that, that's definitely tweetable <laughs> no, uh, that's, that's good no but that's that's what I've noticed because I've had like a lot of interns that come in and on the surface you have conversations and it's like, wow, this guy really knows a lot. But once you dig deeper, you realize they don't have that foundation mm-hmm. because they're learning from YouTube and they're learning from mm-hmm. Instagram. But I went back to the 1960s in Russia mm-hmm. and, and and went from there and then moved forward. So yeah. you got to have that base and get that progressive knowledge. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's like my, my fiance, she, we met... Um, in college she lived two doors down from me mm-hmm. we always joke because she knew my two roommates she was friends with my two roommates before i even knew her she had been at our house and partied and like had fun and she never she knew me because i was upstairs locked in my room that's great that's, that's yeah crazy. so she always jokes about that she's like i had no idea you existed <laughs> and then like maybe a month after she had already been hanging out hanging around my friends mm-hmm. then she met me and she's like you live here yeah like, yeah like I'm, I'm always here what do you mean <laughs> so that's, that's funny yeah and then um, one other thing on that is one vivid memory I have is I went to my professor mm-hmm. uh, for one of my exercise classes and I said, I forgot what the number was, but I think I said, I'm going I'm to try to read 10 books this month outside of our normal co- coursework. Mm-hmm. And he laughed at me. He laughed in my face. He's like, if you read one book every two months, that's incredible. He's like, let's start there. I was like, no, I want 10. Like, give me your best 10 books. Mm-hmm. And he wouldn't do it. He would give me one book. So the next day I would come in. I'm like, okay, I read that book. Now yeah. what? Now he'd give me the next one. The next day I'd come in. Okay, I read that book. Now what? So, I mean, part of it is, is like I said, with the competitive side of things and having drive as a basketball player, uh, you know, you go in and you he laughs in your face and says, it translates. Can't, it translates. It's like, oh, you said I can't do that? What yeah. do you mean? Yeah. And, and so, yeah. That's that's a big part of it. A big part of everybody has that. Not everybody. A lot of high-level basketball players have that competitive drive, but mm-hmm. they can't translate it to their next uh, their next part of life. And so I feel like I transferred that 100 percent, if not 110 percent. Yeah. And I just translated that over to learning. That's important. That's important. That's I I, I remember when I was in college, it wasn't you know for athletic performance, but. I, over a course of three months when I was like trying to you know start training and start a business and everything I read 36 books in those three months and like yeah. it was the same thing like I would lock myself in the room and like read do film go right. to the gym because I was injured I couldn't walk so I'd do a bunch of ball handling drills sitting down in a chair or shoot a bunch of form shots and like try and I guess do a, a test dummy thing on myself and For see sure. what worked and I think that's like the, the thing that really separates you know from outside looking in you is now that I'm, I'm with you in person and hearing this, I mean, there's yeah. a reason why you're at the position that you're in right now. I appreciate um, it. No, I mean, it's, it's definitely cool to see. Um, so I guess one one question that I have for you is, 
was there like a defining moment in your childhood that um, helped you, you know, become, you know, the person that you are today and helped you reach the position that you're in right now? So, I mean, the I would say the 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 main point was what I was talking about in college when mm-hmm. I got injured and I realized that I wasn't gonna live out my dream of playing in the league. That was for sure like my lowest point, and that probably defines me quite a bit. Uh, but it's just it's my family. Like I have uh, I have two older sisters. Um, basically, I attribute all of my characteristics to my mom and my two older sisters mm-hmm. because uh, my 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 older sister Haley she's mentally handicapped. So. Um, she's mentally like five years old and she'll always be stuck there so Mm -hmm. I was the younger brother but I grew up taking care of her Mm -hmm. and so uh, from like a responsibility standpoint and uh, getting a good perspective on life about like what life is actually about that all comes from her and my experiences Mm -hmm. with her Um, she's happy every single day of her life and you know she goes around with a smile on her face and she affects everybody around her and I'm like, if she can do this, you know, and I have all of these tools, the, the physical tools and the mental tools, and I can't make a, a lasting impact on a bunch of people's lives, mm-hmm. then I'm failing because I was, I gave, I was uh, blessed with, you know, the genetic lottery. Um, but so, so a lot of that, a lot of the characteristics that I have come from her. And then my oldest sister was a good athlete, volleyball player, very competitive. She's a lawyer now. So I get a lot of that competitive drive from her and and I've learned a lot from her as well so I would say it's mostly my family Mm -hmm. that that I developed my characteristics from Mm -hmm. Um, but if there's one point it is that lowest point of my life when when I started piling up those injuries gotcha gotcha so one I I definitely see you know you said you really want to help people and I could definitely see you know having your sister you know that Mm -hmm. I guess ingraining it at a young age or younger age you know the the desire to help people because you like you said you were more responsible. Yeah. You know, to well, it just gives you that perspective that nothing is about you. Yeah. Like at the end of the day, it's you know, if others. I die, like, what do I matter? <laughs> it's about the impact that I had. That's so true. And so growing up with her, you just get that early. Yeah. You know, at age ten, I already figured out like, oh, this is about how happy I can make her. Mm-hmm. This isn't. This life isn't about how happy I can make myself. Yeah. And from that comes happiness. Because that's what people understand. They chase happiness. It's like, go serve Mm -hmm. and go help other people. The byproduct of that is going to be happiness. Yeah, that's so true. When you give, it's like you, you, it's not by design, you know, you don't look for it for that reason. But when you give, you get more by giving. Right. It's it's a beautiful thing. 100%. So so when did you decide to, you know, say, hey, you know, I I love learning about the body and I've gotten crazy athletic now I'm gonna make this a business now I'm gonna instead of you know just yeah I'm gonna help people but I'm gonna also make this my living when did that like I guess paradigm shift happen in your mind where like hey I'm gonna try and make some money off of this um I think one I think I've always had some some entrepreneur tendencies Mm -hmm. I've always been interested in making money so I would always be the guy who's like you know, you give me this this baseball card, I'm going to flip it. Flip I'm going to sell it for a little bit. <laughs> yeah. You know, so I think the best entrepreneurs have always had the tendencies. Yeah. I mean, I know I've known people who never had those tendencies and they can develop them. Mm-hmm. Uh, but for me, I kind of always had those tendencies. So anytime I have a distinct skill, it's like, okay, how do I monetize off of this? That's mm-hmm. the natural mindset. So to me, it's like... Uh, you know, when I had this system, I'm like, this is gold. I mean, everybody wants to be more athletic. Yeah. Nobody knows how to do it. We all live our whole life just 
power cleaning and squatting and then wondering why we're not getting the, the results that we desire. Um, so for me, it's like that's the asset. This is an asset that almost nobody else has. I mean, there's other trainers that have good systems, but um, I'm like, this is a very rare asset and I can really just flip this. And it's that point where I did realize that I liked helping people more, mm-hmm. and, more than playing. Um, so they say, chase your passion. I'm like, well, this is my passion. Mm-hmm. Now, how do I make this work long term? Because I can't chase my passion if all I do is go out and give this system away. Yeah. I got to figure out how to make a living. Otherwise, I got to go get a full-time job and then I do this part-time. Yeah. And then I never actually master my craft. Mm-hmm. And then I don't reach millions of people. I just reach a few people because al- I only have an hour to do it. It's almost unfair to the world. It's unfair to the world, <laughs> exactly. Because you can't give them everything that you would be able to. Exactly. And I do. I, I, did, I just did a trainer webinar um, kind of. You know, kind of what we're talking about, how trainers can just develop a good business model and that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, but that's one of my main focus because all these trainers come in and say, well, it's not about the money, it's about the passion. Mm-hmm. I agree, but how are you going to live? And like you said, it is unfair to your clients. You can't give them all of your energy and all of your thoughts uh, when you have to go work a full-time job. Mm-hmm. So it is, I mean, the only way to sustainably do this and retire as a trainer is to get smart from the start. Yeah, no, that's, that's, that's definitely huge. Um, if, so when you, you know, did realize like, hey, I, I wanna do this, I need to be able to monetize it, to be able to do this for the long haul, what was your first step? Because again, I think, you know, so many of us, we, we see people at, you know, high stature, we're like, man, Maybe they were gifted and they had you know great opportunities when they were young, or maybe I don't know when he was you know in college he didn't work for free and he just got the hookup or something like that. And, right. And you know I know that's not the case, but yeah. there's this you know facade I think in a lot of people's mind that it becomes easy you know and trust the process sounds great, but right it's it's harder to do it. Stuff. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> you know I always say like love the process is cool. Loving it doesn't mean you enjoy every single second of it. For sure. So for sure. What was that first step? Um so I I trained a couple kids. I, I did a lot for free. I did a ton of stuff for free. Uh while I was still up in northern Arizona after I got injured, I trained my teammates for free. Do you think that helped you? Do you like oh like yeah you went back like hundred percent you have to it. Okay. Yeah you have to. Um you know, just one for experience because yeah. you you don't know exactly what you're doing. Like I knew how to train myself, but mm-hmm. I don't know how to train every other person in yep. different body types. So like I had to get that experience before I was even worth anything. So I did a lot of that for free. I trained teammates. I went to my old high school and I became their strength coach completely for free. Um, whatever kids wanted to train with me, I trained them and did it completely for free. So. Um, then I think the first time I charged, one of the kids got really good results and he said, you know what, I want to move from these group sessions to doing privates. I said, okay, I mean, I don't really have much time, but if you guys pay me, and of course at that time I priced like $20. Yeah. If you guys pay me $20, i will <laughs> do it. $20 seemed like so much back yeah, then. Yeah, that, that was bread back then. So uh, I, this kid paid me $20 an hour to train him. Um, and luckily at that time, I didn't have a, a high rent or anything I was paying like a couple hundred dollars a month for rent Mm -hmm. so every time that I had these sessions I took 10% of every session and I put that away towards um, self-education 10% so 10% tithing to the business yes yes 10% of everything uh, went back to self-education 
and then a smaller percent went towards equipment. So mm -hmm. I think I was taking like 5% and that would go towards like agility ladders or, or other things that mm -hmm. I built up slowly. Um, but that was, that was the start. It was that one kid paying me $20. And then from there you start to realize, you start to do the calculations. You're like, oh, well, you know, maybe if I did five of these sessions a day, I can make a hundred. And at that time that's really good. Yeah. And then you start adding up the days and you're like, okay, I could really do this and I can make a living. Um, so I did that and I, I was just barely, you know, scraping even on rent and expenses and stuff. Mm -hmm. Um, but then I started to, you know, de develop that, uh, that hype around Arizona and all of a sudden people are traveling. So, so sorry to interrupt you, but like, yeah. how did that hype come? Was it like, you know, the, the, the guy you train, you know, gets super athletic and he tells everyone or were you it was like mostly, actively promoting yourself or was it like a mixture of both? Yeah, it was, it was a mixture of both. It was word of mouth for the most part. Mm -hmm. Um, my transformation helped because yeah, everybody huge. in Arizona, like especially Northern Arizona, they knew me as a player, but they knew I was that kid who wasn't athletic. Yeah. And now I have these YouTube videos <laughs> like, of me throwing down windmill dunks. And so that kind of goes viral. Mm -hmm. Like that starts to spread. So that helped a lot. Um, but I did promote on Twitter and at that time I believe YouTube and that was it. Um, I walked around campus with flyers just begging people to come train yeah, with that's me. Awesome. And that never really worked, but it was mostly mostly word of mouth and it started to spread around Arizona to the point where people would travel several hours to come train with me. And at that point I was like, okay, I can start to really kick up my price. Um, so early on I, it, I got relatively um, good results and I was able to start charging more and more and more and then I was eventually making more than like my parents and I was like, wow, I could really do this if, yeah. I, if I get smart about it. So when, I don't know why, but like when you said passing out flyers to people, like did it discourage you when, when people just kind of blew you off or anything? Did that ever For sure. At, at, at the start, I hated that. Um, because as an athlete, you always have like that, that little ego, you know? Yeah. Sometimes the best, best athletes have the best ego. They just do a good job of hiding it. Mm -hmm. So I still had that like athlete ego of like, yeah, I'm the man. Like you gotta be, you gotta train with me. Yeah. Luckily I've lost that over time, mm -hmm. but I still had that from my playing career. So I'm walking around handing out flyers and people are just like ignoring it. And it's just building up like that competitive fire, mm -hmm. you know? So it did bother me, but uh, eventually you realize, especially in my situation where it's like, you know, I do gotta come up with rent and I gotta live off this now. Mm -hmm. um, you know, I didn't have one foot stuck on first while I was going to second. Like I was, I was going to second on a full sprint. Yeah. So, um, you know, you when you're when you're forced to make it happen financially, the you know the the no's don't really matter anymore. Yeah. It's like <laughs> if I can ask, option. if I can get a thousand no's but one yes, you yeah. know that helps me. Yeah. So and now at this point, I realize how often you're going to hear no. Mm -hmm. um, people see like. Instagram following or you know whatever success that that I've had and they, they assume that everything's easy now I still get mostly no's mm -hmm. it's just I'm okay with that now. yeah, yeah. got come okay with it I think it's that point of desperation like when you're when you're first starting and like you have responsibilities you know yeah that's you're that's what to get it off, is like I'm okay with hearing no yeah. and getting rejected like it might not feel great but right. you have no other choice but to make it happen because yeah you know if you don't then right. the world doesn't feel sorry for you I think no no and and the thing is nobody you know that's the thing nobody felt sorry for me and nobody like nobody looked out which at the time I hated but now looking back that's kind of what made my career because mm -hmm. I reached out to every single NBA team for an internship I didn't get one reply I reached out to all the big colleges I got replies and they're like no nah, I mean we're, you're not qualified yet or for whatever reason I didn't mm -hmm. get any internship 
which is great for me. Yeah. Because now I'm... It's a blessing in disguise. It's a blessing in disguise because now I'm even more mad. My competitive juices are really flowing. Mm -hmm. And I'm forced to make it on my own. Yeah. So my thing is like, well, if I blow this up on the, the independent side and it goes well enough, eventually pro teams will find me. Mm -hmm. And then now that I'm actually into it, I'm like, I don't know if I would ever go back to that other route. Yeah. Um, but th that really helped me is the fact that that zero coaches wanted to trust me. Mm -hmm. yeah. That's 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 definitely cool. I think from from my experience hearing those notes from certain people, like I wanted to work out. I'll never forget. For me, it was like one of my teammates um, in high school played Division One, and I played at an NAI school, so I went to a really small school. And I started training, and I wanted to work him out in the summer. And I went over his house, and his older sister was like. Who's ever gonna want to train with you? You go to Ave Maria University. Yeah. No one cares. And like that was like, all right, I gotta make sure. Like messed up mindset now, but I was like, I gotta get her back. Like yeah, I gotta be so good. Exactly. Where now he he has to train with me. He wants to train with me so bad, so I can be like, I proved you wrong. Right. And you know that's not necessarily the best mindset. But that's sometimes what, but the like, best mindset to but start. The competitive. Yeah. yeah to I start. Think the competitive juices came out, and like looking back like those moments that pissed me off so much yeah. were the fuel to me like I gotta get better I gotta for sure you know make this happen to prove everyone that was you know doubting me wrong exactly and so that's yeah how I, a, lot of, they are. a lot of people start like that that's definitely how I started but I think eventually that that does phase out you've probably noticed mm -hmm. eventually it becomes more less about who can I prove wrong and more about whose life can I change yeah early on when you're young like that you don't have that perspective mm -hmm. So uh, for me, you know, I did luckily have that perspective a little bit because of my sister, but it was at that time, like, who can I prove wrong? Yeah. And that's faded out a little bit, but now I'm so obsessed with helping people that that's more so what drives, mm -hmm. what drives my day-to-day -day life. For sure, for sure. So you blow up, um, you start to blow up in, you know, Arizona and everything. I guess, what, what was the next, you know, step for you? How many, how many kids, I guess, in like your, highest point in Arizona like how many how many players did you have um I did mostly private sessions and small group sessions how, how, now how sorry to interrupt but how did you what, what are your thoughts on private sessions now compared to group? Uh, I don't like private sessions now I only do private sessions for the NBA players okay. um, and even then I try to encourage smaller group sessions um, I mean I sometimes private sessions are necessary uh, but it's just not a good business model. Mm -hmm. uh, you only have so many hours in the day, so. You can't maximize. Like, yeah, you can't maximize. Early on, I had the time um, to do it. Uh, the, the other thing is, not that many people can afford your services, mm -hmm. you know, for private sessions. Yeah. Like right now, the, my private price would be so high that it's like, I'm only helping the top 1%, you know? I'm not, I can't help the people that I actually mm -hmm. wanna help um, because my price is so high. So. Mm -hmm. Um, I moved away from it now, but early on I did a lot of private sessions and, and then just small groups. I would say in Arizona I probably had 30 clients consistently. And I did have a mix. Um, I had a mix of general fitness, of people just trying to lose weight, just trying to lose fat or build muscle. Um, and then I had basketball players, volleyball players, I even had some football players. So I did a little bit of everything at that time. Okay, that's awesome. So when, when was the decision that you made like, hey, Arizona's great, but I need to take that next step, you know, for, for me and for kind of what my dreams and my goals business-wise are. Yeah, and so was it a tough decision to make? Yeah, it was really tough. Um, it happened quick though. I, I, I'm the type that makes decisions really quick. Once mm -hmm. I know, I know. But um, 
It was uh, probably a year after I graduated. So after I graduated, I'm just looking into the future and I'm thinking what's the best for my long-term success. And so how, how long is this from when you started the timetable? So I started my business probably beginning of my junior year of college. Okay. So by my senior year, I had a pretty good business going. I did have some NBA players already training mm -hmm. with me. Um, I believe that's around the time I launched my online program. Uh, so financially, I was doing well. When you did the online program, I'm sorry, I'm jumping all around, but like when you did the online program, um, I guess compare it to what it is right now today, you know, like where, where you are, if you put out an online program right now that's brand new and you did everything fresh compared to what you did then, you know, what, what was the difference? One, of quality, and then two, were you really concerned about like, man, this isn't the, I don't know what it looked like, you know, back then, but like, man, this like didn't have the camera guy or the, or the film guru yeah. and all the editing stuff where you're just like, hey, I don't care. I'm getting it out there because I'm going to yeah. work with what I have. Like, what was the mentality? At the time, it was just get it out there. Mm -hmm. Get it out there. Like, I have the knowledge. I just got to get this out there. I didn't do anything fancy with filming. I filmed with my basic little camera. Um, some of the videos on there are probably from my phone, actually. Yeah. So, it's the, the, the quality is not good. Um, but the, the, the content the is content good. Is so, good. And that's what matters to me. Yeah. If I put it out now, in which I'm putting out a new program, um, pretty soon, it, the the quality is like Hollywood quality. Yeah. I mean, like it's it's next level now. So, um, but that's that's something that cripples people, especially with online training, is they need they want everything to be perfect, and it's paralysis by analysis. <laughs> Me. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Paralysis wow. by analysis, but yeah. sometimes it's just better to say, you know what, Screw I got it. the knowledge, like let's just put this out there. Like, yeah. This is going to get kids better. Mm -hmm. So, you know, that's what I did. And, and it's almost being selfish again. You're not helping the world because you're is, holding yeah. on because you want to be a I'm sure. speaking to myself right, right. now. Sometimes yeah, yeah. I want to be a perfectionist. I'm like, man, I can't release it yet. Yeah. It doesn't look good enough. But the quality's there. I mean, the quality's in content. In content, that's what it is. It's like, man, I don't know. I don't know this. I don't know that. It's like, I'm hurting someone that could potentially For be sure. improving because I'm not putting out because I'm insecure about yep. how it's going to look compared to yep. somebody that's in a completely different you know stage in their career and their life and their business. So. Yeah, hundred um, percent. So I mean, the the content was really good. Obviously, now seven uh, what it might be six years later, mm -hmm. uh, six years, seven years later. Now. I've learned so much in that time that I go back and I'm like, this is something that I would change. That like every day of my program, I have Monday through Friday. Every day I have something that I have to go in and change because I've learned but it, better you, methods. You learn; it's the process. Like if what's scary, if you look back on your programs from five years ago and nothing has changed, that's scary because you <laughs> yeah. haven't changed, you haven't grown, and yeah. you haven't learned anything. So uh, my next program is going to be a lot better. I'm hoping, but um, so. Anyways, I put out that program around graduation time. So I stayed in Arizona for one year, and financially it was blowing up. I was doing really well. I was getting NBA players. But especially I had a conversation with one of my clients at the time, um, Malcolm Lee, who's actually still a client to this day. But he, uh, he was like, you know, this is some of the best training I've ever had. But, you know, Arizona is a tough market. Like, off-season for us... Uh, is you know 120 degrees in Arizona he's like people aren't going to consistently come here mm -hmm. and so you know sometimes it's just listening to what your clients have to say so I was like you know what you're right like let's let's get out to California so um, luckily I linked up with Open Gym Premier and Rob Palinka and I made the decision in a week and I was gone the next week wow so it was a tough decision because it's like my family's here 
You know, did you keep was, like any part of your business in Arizona? Did you just move nope, everything? No, nope, I moved at that everything. Point, did you have any other trainers? Or I wish I didn't have any trainers. If okay. had I had trainers, I could have kept that alive. Uh -huh. And I think I will go back to Arizona eventually. Uh, but I didn't have any trainers, and it, there there was no point in rushing and try to get it, getting it, rushing to get a trainer to, you know, train them and develop them and teach them my methods. That would have taken months. Yeah. So, I folded that completely and moved out here, um, and basically just started my life over again. No house. I just Airbnb a spot. I, had, wow. I was living out basically that's, all my clothes see, in that's the car. What, that's what people need to hear right there. Like, yeah. oh, I'm so glad. You got to take that leap sometimes. Yeah. Like I was living out of this Airbnb and Ashley still, my fiance had her job in Arizona so she couldn't come out here with me. So I didn't have support or anything. It was just me. Like I was just clothes in the car out of a plastic bag uh, living in an Airbnb with not one client. Like I had some connections because I came out here with Rob Plinka, but... I didn't have one client. Yeah. And so then it was everything over again, right? I was already doing well in Arizona financially. Now I'm out here. Now I'm walking around these courts again, handing out flyers. Yep. Back, Back to square to one. one. Yep. Yeah. So sometimes when you move locations, you assume that, you know, I kind of have a name now. People are going to come. It's still not. Like, mm -hmm. you still got to grind and start from square one. Um, luckily, this is the hotbed for, uh, for basketball. So, I mean, it, we got every NBA, most NBA players staying out here. We got high-level AAU at all levels, mm -hmm. all ages. So it wasn't it wasn't long. I mean, it probably took me two months to get back to that same level at mm -hmm. that what I was in in Arizona. Yeah, that's so. I, one thing that I I think is truly telling from what you just said is like you got to be comfortable with being uncomfortable. Like yeah, exactly. Once you get to a, a level which you got to in Arizona, it's like there's always another stage, and it, it, you might be comfortable and doing great, and then you get called to do something that's completely outside your comfort zone. It's like, dang, like I got to get back on the grind. And, yeah. Um, there's never any complacency with being an entrepreneur and no. really trying to grow. That's yeah. There's not. You got to keep keep going, keep going. And it is scary. I mean, that's the part. That's the hard part is mm -hmm. people reach success and they're like, well, I'm successful. Why would I yeah. take a risk? Why would I do something else? But it just goes back to your your goal and your passion because some people's goal is just to reach a decent level of success. Mm -hmm. But remember what I told you is like, when I get into something, can I be the best, the best in, the in the world or can I compete for that spot? And, and so that's always the goal. So if opportunities come up for me that gets me closer to that, then it's like, it. hey, I gotta do it. Yeah. But you know, 90% of people, it's just like, I just want happiness, I just want comfort, I just want a little bit of success. Mm -hmm. So it's like, you don't take those risks. Yeah. To me, I think, because again much smaller scale but like I moved from Naples when I, I grew a business down there and, um, when I was still in college and for a year of my you know, post-college life and I felt like I was called to move to Tampa and I was like logically it makes no sense you know financially yeah but I, I, I took leave of faith didn't have any clients when I moved to Tampa yeah didn't have a gym or anything and um, I was training one guy Kevin Knox plays for Kentucky but I mean that was it and grinded and got a facility in Tampa and everything and everything worked out well over time and then it's like I got called to go to Tallahassee and it's like dang like I just got to a position of yeah I guess to some degree of success and yeah. and, and you're called to do something else but like you said if you want to be you know the best you know at what you're doing like you you got to take those risks and I think for me I think it almost like taking those risks is very it makes me happy like for sure it, it's hard and it's scary but 
it's awesome at the same time. Like it's, it's I love a challenge. Like yeah. challenges make me happy. Right. Like, if same I, here. Same <laughs> if here. I feel like I can't do something or like I'm struggling to do something, I, I hate the feeling, but I love the feeling exactly. so much. I'm like I'm addicted to it. Almost. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> I just experienced that today. Uh, we're testing Chris Staples. He's one of the best dunkers in the world. Uh, we were testing him in, in the lab, mm -hmm. and he was going up and he was missing. He couldn't get it. He couldn't get the Vertec, and he was, like, getting pissed off and, like, getting hyped for his next one. Yeah. 99% of kids, when they miss, they get discouraged. They put their head like, down. Oh, and... man, I can't I can't do it. My yeah. vertical's not good. Chris is like, I can guarantee you I'm going to get this gonna, next one. Won't quit till he and gets that's it. what makes him the best dunker in the world. Mm -hmm. And that goes for trainers. That goes for entrepreneurs. Like, when you fail, you got to have that feeling of, like, this is good. Yeah. This is good. Like we're gonna we're gonna get this, and it's gonna feel that much better yeah, when we do. I was say that triumph feels so much better when you actually had to struggle for yeah. it instead of just falling just in your lap the first yep. time. Yep. You really earned it. Right. So, um, I guess you know, kind of with you know what's happened in the last few years. What what has been the, you know, the process of being smarter, you know, business wise. I know we talked about you know before we went on the air. Um, you know, you, now you have you know some trainers working on you, have a physical therapist, if I'm correct, um, you know, working with you. Um, what was kind of that that transformation of like, hey, I want to do everything myself, and like, because I think as entrepreneurs, um, I'm gonna assume that you did everything yourself in Arizona. So it was just yeah. you were like a one man show, marketer, uh, yeah. CEO, yeah. trainer. Yeah. Uh, Me and my fiance, and I mean, that was it. Yeah. So um, what was the kind of that step of like, man, I. I can't do everything myself. Now I have to, you know, kind of be smart and I have to delegate. And was that hard for you delegating? Because this, I mean, this was your baby. Yeah. You started from the beginning and you went through a lot to get to it. For sure. Position. It's, it, that, that's the hardest process is to go from like, I'm a one man show and I'm really good at this. Mm -hmm. Like, you know, basketball player, I'm, I'm really good at ISO moves. So I'm going to ISO every time mm -hmm. compared to step back and okay, let's run an offense and let's utilize our talents the best way. Mm -hmm. Um, and that's that's what that's the that's the same process that I had to go through. And probably about a year and a half ago, I finally made that transition of realizing that I'm not Superman mm -hmm. and I can't be the best at every aspect of my business. Because mm -hmm. I was doing the videography, I was doing my own editing, I was doing everything. Uh, my fiance would get back to emails, but everything else was me. Um, and then I realized, you know, I'm spreading myself thin. I could be spending more time on the stuff that separates me, which is gaining knowledge, studying, implementation of the programs. Um, so, you know, I, I started delegating. I started hiring interns where I didn't have that pressure to fulfill a certain amount of hours. So I didn't have to delegate all the way. You know, I didn't have to step out of the business, but I could start to say, you know, you take this client. Um, and I could, I could have them study under me. So I was still running the show, mm -hmm. but I was bringing them up at the same time. And then I reached a point where these interns got better than me at my job because <laughs> yeah. I was training pros all day in the morning. So they had more energy for the kids. So they had more passion and they had better conversation with the kids because they still had energy. Mm -hmm. And I, there was a point in time where I was watching, we have a trainer, Nick, I was watching him coach the groups and the way he individualized everything, he had a group of 10, and he was training them as a group, but he was individualizing it at the same time for all of them, and he was having like good vibes and good conversations, and I took a step back, and I was like, I, I trained Nick to the point where I think right now he's better than I am at training kids. And at that point, it's like, okay, I can step back all the way. And so I stepped back and I became the program designer, and now he's the one that actually runs the day-to-day -day programs. Wow. So I think it should be a slow process. I think some people do go from 
I'm a superman, I'm a superhero, I do it all myself, to all of a sudden I hire a trainer and I just give it to you. And then, obviously, they might not do a good job and then you just have trust issues forever. Yeah. So it's kind of just like, you know, getting the interns and getting them to learn under you. And then eventually, when you see that point where they're good, just as good as you, in my case, better than me, mm-hmm. um, I was able to take a step back and, and have that trust for him. Do you think that helped you as, you know, as a leader, and, and kind of do you think that, do you think that that will help you in the future with where you know your business goes? Um, not necessarily as you know you having more time to delegate to things that you know you want to you know pursue or that may help the business, but as far as um, you growing as a person, being able to delegate because I know for yeah. me. Um, I'm terrible. I'm the worst delegator on the planet, sure. and I'm still bad. I feel like that's almost a hindrance, one to the business, but then two for me as, as a leader and where I want to go in the future, just as a human being, um, because you know I haven't developed a way that I feel like I can. I know I'm going to get there in time, but I haven't developed the way I should have, and I think that you know tra- will translate to other qualities, I guess, in life. You know, being able to teach somebody up, trust them, um, hold them accountable. Uh, in the right way without being a douche about it. I mean, you right. know what I'm saying? So. And that's that's the hard part. People don't understand that that's a skill in itself. Yeah. Like, we assume that because we're okay leaders in basketball that that makes you a good leader in business, but it's it's not the same. It's, mm-hmm. it's very different. Um, that's, that's probably the number one thing that I'm still working on, and I read a lot of books, like from Coach K. Um, his leadership books are great, and, and I just study from the people who have done it already. Mm-hmm. Um but it's, that's a really hard thing because uh, for me, how I like to take direction is straightforward. Like, don't sugarcoat anything. Yeah. If I suck, like, tell me I suck. <laughs> so I'm yeah. like, well, hey, if this is how I am, then I got to tell Everyone. this guy, like, yo, why, why do you do that? You suck. But not, not everybody good. responds to not that. Everybody, yeah, not everybody responds to that. So um, it's figuring out the right way to, to delegate and do it in a good way and, and being a genuine person. and even though you're in this position, you're never better than anybody else, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? And when you can finally figure out how to convey that message to uh, the people under you, that, that your employees, I mean, they really respect that. And then you have their attention yeah. because you're not talking down to them, like you're working with me, yeah. it's me and you, like this is our team. Okay. So it's it's kind of just, just figuring out the, the right way to go about it, but I would say that's the biggest thing is realizing that even though I'm the CEO, I'm not ahead of you. Yeah. Like you are just as important as I am. Yeah. Everyone has their role. And I yeah. think as a leader, one thing you said being genuine, like when people, you know, I'm still figuring it out, but when people know that you truly care about them, it makes everything so much easier. Yeah. You know, that that for covers sure. a multitude of, of sins, I guess. Yeah. So, well, it's the, the famous quote you, they don't care how much you know until they know how, how much, much you, you care. care. Yeah. That's, and that's, that's so I, I, um, I had, a day, I had a short internship, actually. I left this out, but at Fisher Institute, they train, like, top NFL and MLB players. Mm-hmm. Um, Darrell Revis was my first client when I went in there. Okay. And wow. this is when I still didn't really know what I was doing, mm-hmm. and I got to train him. So, uh, luckily, I was running their programs. I didn't have my program at that time. Um, but I'm going in with guys like Darrell Revis, and all of a sudden, I hopped in, and I just start coaching. And they're like super resistant. They're like, why, why is this young kid, this young college kid teaching me what to do? Yeah. I'm an NFL player. And I realized that they didn't know who I was and they didn't know that I genuinely cared. So it was too early for me to go in and try to teach them something. Yeah, you got to develop but then they got to know me and they realized, okay, this is a really good dude and this dude really does care and want to get, wants to get me better. 
and then they wouldn't stop asking me questions. Yeah. Now it's okay. I want to know as much as I possibly can, and I want to actually learn from you. Mm -hmm. So, I, I mean, you. that quote is 100% true. Yeah. So, you know, you, you start, you know, having interns and you know, delegating some tasks to them and everything. Um, when, you know, maybe it was earlier, but when did you decide that, like, hey, I think online training and you know, social media, that platform is a way to kind of, you know, help you scale, you know, your business. Yeah, I mean... Instead of trading time, I'm sure, I know, obviously, you know, you're still doing the training and everything as well, but... Yeah, well, you can't... I was at a conference, and Mike Boyle was speaking. He's, like, a legendary strength coach, and he's like, okay, everybody raise their hand if they know somebody that retired as a strength coach. And I look around, there's, like, 100 people in the room. Nobody raised their hand. Oh, wow. And so I'm like, okay... What are they doing? They're trading their time for dollars. Yeah. All of them, because that's the that's the typical model of training is mm -hmm. you show up, you train somebody, you leave. And the problem is your body's gonna give out at some point. I can't demonstrate box jumps forever. Yeah. So it's like, you know, what if my body gives out at 35? You know, do I have other areas set up that I can go sit on my couch and still make money? Can I go to sleep and still make money? Mm -hmm. Um, so that's kind of where the initial thought process started of like, I need online training, I need camps. My rule is if it's scalable for the trainer and if it's affordable for the client, it's probably your best option for mm -hmm. a business model. And that's online training. Like my online training, I can do it for $27 a month because I don't have to spend the time individualizing everything, assessing, showing up. So I can scale it to the masses, the masses can afford it, and therefore it's been the biggest part of my business model. What are the other areas that are scalable for the trainer and affordable for the client? Camps. You know, you could you could pack a lot of kids in a camp, they can afford it, they can benefit from it, but that's only a day of your time or two days mm -hmm. of your time. That's, you're not setting up shop for a month at a time for camps. Um, so that's a big thing. And then the other thing is just going back to passion of, we all get in, into coaching for, to some degree, the, the purpose is how do I help as many people as possible? Yeah. Well, if I can, people on. if I can post and reach kids in China and Russia and reach millions, then that's how I do it. So if I want to be a good coach, I have to figure out how to reach as many people as possible. So, so it's no, that's that's it's not only like a, it's not only a, a financial thing. I mean, mm -hmm. it makes the most sense from a financial standpoint, but. Coaches traditionally separate coaching, the tactical skills, and marketing. And coaches, for some reason, pride themselves on it. They're like, yeah, I'm a good coach. I don't even do marketing. I'm just really good. But like, if you're a bad marketer, I'm not gonna say you're a bad coach, but they blend together. Because remember, why did you get in? To help as many people as possible. So you're a bad marketer and you're bad on social media, you're not helping as many people as possible. So I don't care how much talent you have, you're not getting out there, you're doing a disservice to the world because you're giving them less of what you have to offer. That's, that's, that's gold. Yes. Yeah, so that is, that is, that is legit one of the best things I've heard like in, in 2018 by far. <laughs> um, that's, that, that's the thing that's is so when true. you take it back to like, why did you get in? You ask that question, and it's like, I want to help as many people as possible. Cool. So my what's daily action should follow that. Yeah, it should reflect that. And, and what's not. cool is there's a direct correlation between that and your finances. Yeah, yeah. When you provide, you know, value to people, and the more people you provide value to, the yep. more you know, money you make. So it's it works hand thing. in hand. Yeah, that's that's great. So like, what what were your um, I guess in kind of closing, 
what what were your steps you know to really blow up the online training and, and, and get it to a position you know I've seen the ad from exercise.com and it's like yeah. I, I can't remember the exact but it's like I made my first year of training or something I made this amount more than I did with you know person to person interaction yeah. so like what were the kind of, kind of like practical steps that if anyone watches this and they're like hey I I don't know I love to cook but I want to start a, a, a course you know online for making this I don't know anything because I don't want it to just strictly be basketball but like what were those steps that you took to help really blow it out the water you know was social media the biggest thing for you yeah. um, you know I know YouTube was was probably you know beneficial kind of go through those steps yeah so the thing is people say build it and they will come that's not true throw that out <laughs> right now I don't care how good your online program is burn it burn it like if, <laughs> if if you don't have a following yeah. nobody's gonna know about you so that's the number one thing is getting a following mm -hmm. um, my big thing was social media if I didn't have a big following on social media my online training would be nowhere now I'm competitive and I'm driven and I think I'm good at what I do so I think my in-person would always be good no matter what yeah but my online would not so my steps I mean I was on YouTube but as soon as Instagram came out with video, I said, okay, I'm going to do a video. I think at the time it was like 15 second videos. Yeah. But I was like, I'm gonna do a vertical jump or a ball handling uh, video every single day. So and you were I'm never gonna it wasn't just like some, oh, I feel like posting a video today, no. I'm gonna post something. It was no, like, I, no, told I have myself, to get these yeah, done. I gotta get this done. And a lot of times it was either my fiance holding the phone or the mo majority of my videos, if you scroll back to the bottom of my Instagram, you'll notice Look, that I phone on like the ground sometimes yes, and stuff and like yes, so I see I, low angles. Yes, all low angles. It <laughs> yep. looked like it was on purpose, but really I just had nothing to, I, I would put a cone there and I would balance the phone on the cone. Wow. And then I, was ho I would hope that I'm in the frame. Yeah. And if not, then I retake. Yeah. So, uh, you know, that's, that's, that's the thing is just dedicating yourself to like, I need to put out good content not necessarily high quality video, but like good content that people can benefit from. And I'm gonna do that every single day. And so I did that and then- um, Did that blow up immediately? No, no, and very rarely. So that's the advice that you get and then people don't go in depth of how they actually blew up. Yeah. So people give you, okay, if it's good and if you're consistent, people will come. That's not true. I had, you know, a few, maybe I grinded and got to a thousand followers. And from there, it's like, okay, I got good stuff on my page. How do I get people to, to, um, to actually watch it? So I started by going to other pages with a thousand followers and I said, hey, let's do that shout out for shout out. So I would shout them out, they would shout me out. I reached their thousand followers. That's free. I would do maybe two or three a week. Got some followers that way. Then I started going to bigger pages and just networking. Like Hoop Films was at the time like the biggest basketball page. This was before uh, Sports Center, um, you know, Bleacher Report, House of Highlights. Before they were big, yeah. it was Hoop Films in the basketball world. And I would comment on their page every single day. Every time they posted, I commented. And so he kind of started to see me over and over again. And I would DM him. I'm like, hey, man, can I please get a shout out? And be like, no, like, I don't do shout outs. But eventually he's like, yo, this dude really shows love to my page. Like that's, he's commenting. You showed love before, like while you were asking. That's, that's, yes. that's important. Yes. You set it up by showing love. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, right. Like um, the, the best book that I've that I've had on uh, that I've read on social media is Jab, 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 Right Hook. Mm -hmm. um, I have not. I've heard so much. Gary, about that. I still have Gary V. 
and that's what it is. It's jab, jab, jab. So, um, the the jabs are are like the quality content, and like for in, in that situation, the jabs are like, hey, I like your page. I'm gonna show love. Yeah. So, the thing with um, jab, 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 right hook in, in that scenario is the jabs are just showing up and showing love on the page. That's how like he saw me every single day. And he's like, you know what, this guy's pretty genuine. He really shows love to my page. So eventually, probably after my third ask, he was like, all right, you know what, I'll, I'll throw up a post. Yeah. Off that first post, I think I gained 10,000 followers. Oof, man. Because at the time, shout outs were like really on. And, and shout outs are still good, but it's declined by probably over 50% yeah. of what you're actually going to get back. But at the time, it was like, man, if you get on a page with a couple hundred thousand, you're going to get 10,000 followers. So you had, you had perfect. Well, not perfect. We had very good timing. Good timing. But yeah. something that we can't just gloss over is, one, you asked multiple times. And then, two, you were very active on the page. So you weren't just some random guy like, yeah. who, the, who the frick is this? You yeah, know? that's for any aspect. You never just ask. Yeah. Any aspect. You provide value. Mm -hmm. And if you've provided enough value, then you can come in with the ask. And usually, they'll show love yeah. in return. For sure. My thing with my clients is I, I have no ask. If I can provide strictly value and then never ask anything, you're even higher up. Yep. You know what I mean? Like they'll be with you forever. Mm -hmm. But in this this scenario, it's jab, jab, jab. Eventually you come in with that ask. That's the right hook. Um, he gave me a shout out. And then I went to other pages and did the same thing. And some of them would show love, some of them wouldn't. But eventually I just started paying for shout outs. Okay, you and that got- that was something that you recommend for sure. Or for you... sure, 100%. Like if you look at clicks to your website, if you look what you can get from professional sites, like if you went to Google or you did it through YouTube, what you can get from an influencer shout out is like, for me, probably 10 times. So, you know, if I put, let's say I put $100 into a shout out, I got a couple thousand followers, 500 of them clicked on my website. These are random numbers. If I put that same amount into Google, I'm probably only getting 50 clicks to my website. Mm -hmm. So. Um, and not only are you getting clicks to your website, they're now with you for life because they follow you. So now every single every single day when you post something, they see it. So when you have products later on, they're still with you. Compared to Google Ads, like you paid money to get that one click, but now where are they at? Yeah. They're not still with you, you know? So I would say that that was the biggest thing that I did was I started early on, but I was just very persistent with just reaching out to pages and just trying to get shout outs. Um, and then collaborations. I did a lot of collaborations with other trainers. Um, players was a big thing. Like players wanted workout videos on their page. So I would film them working out and then we would post, I would post, they would post. Their followers would come over and check out my stuff. So it's collaborations. It's seeing if you can get free shout outs. It's shout out for shout out. And then it's paying for influencer shout outs. And it's not always something like, like I can't find any page about basketball performance. You know, people get obsessed with having something specific. Sometimes it's just like, you know, who has the most NBA fans? And a certain percentage of them are actual players and a certain percentage of those actual players need to jump high. Mm -hmm. So, you know, it all comes back and your sales are gonna be high either way. I think a lot of people paralyze themselves by saying, well, I'm a basketball performance coach you know, I, I can't find any page that's about that. So they try to get too specific. Just yeah. like, if that page is about basketball, 
there's probably going to be some basketball players who can benefit from your stuff. Yeah, oh, for sure. That makes 100% sense. Okay, last one of the one of the last questions I have for you. Um, what was something that you necessarily didn't want to, but you had to sacrifice or you lost, you know, in your ascent to get into the position you're in right now? Uh, friends, <laughs> a lot of friends. Um, you know, the, the friends that don't want to grow with you, sometimes you got to leave them behind. And it's like, it's like, you know, you love them, but it's like, I'm growing and I'm going here and look, I want to stay in touch and you're my lifelong guy, but you're not going to be with me day to day because I'm trying to operate at this level and you're still working down here. And if I got to pick up your slack, that's only going to bring me down. You know what I mean? So that's probably the thing is like, I would like to have more friends yeah. from my childhood and, and be able to stay in touch more often. But the harder you grind and, and the more you it's go tough. up and up and up, it's tough to take everybody with you. Yeah. But you always have a few friends who want to grind with you and mm -hmm. yeah, you could take them along for the ride. So um, I would say that's a big thing. A social life and sticking with, with all of the friends and, and everybody from back home that's the one thing that I miss out on that I wish uh, that I could have the best of both worlds. Yeah. You're never going to have the best of both worlds. <laughs> yeah, there's always going to be something you got to give up. There's always something that has to be sacrificed. For me, that's the biggest sacrifice. Yeah, no, that's, that's awesome. Well, I'm, I'm going to, you know, I, I know you're you're a busy guy, so we're not going to you know, hold you all day, but I appreciate you, you know, um, being on the first episode yeah hey, of, it's of, an honor it's of, an honor love the process for podcast. sure man it's, i know i know you're a grinder so i know anything you uh become a part of it's it's going to turn into something big so i I'm, appreciate that i'm glad to hopefully lay the foundation with that first oh, yeah, episode no, this is, this is going to be amazing I, I got a ton of value out of it i know malcolm did his recording i saw his face his eyes light up a few times a quarter of eye, so <laughs> that's good yeah, man. No, this, that's good. this has been great no, it's, um, it's an honor i appreciate it yeah um let let everyone know i guess where for the five people in the basketball world that aren't following you um, you can let them know where to follow you even though you, you probably already have majority of them yeah, um, no, um, we'll put in the show notes and everything for sure so PJF Performance is the Instagram that's where I put my day to day stuff I'm also under the name PJF Performance on YouTube that's more of my longer more in depth videos documentary type stuff player workouts um, and then my website is pjfperformance.net um, any entrepreneurs coaches, trainers, physical therapists. I have a webinar series um, that is on my website now. I just launched the first one and it's basically about the business behind uh, training and, and how to blow up on the entrepreneur side. Um, so that webinar series is going to be a really good resource if anybody's interested in that. Okay. Yeah, I'll definitely um, include those in the show notes and everything. And um, I'm going to throw in a plug. You guys, if you're listening to this and you are a player, you're a, you're a dad and you're trying to get your your kid better, I definitely suggest getting that online training. Um, and you know, that'll obviously be on his website, and we'll include that in the show notes. But definitely got to get your hands on that. Um, I need to get my hands on that because sure, I, I, I need to get my bounce up. Uh, <laughs> we all could use a little more bounce. I need to get my bounce up. I'm tired <laughs> yep. of not having no money. So um, I appreciate it a ton, man. And, and thanks again. Um, this this was really uh, a special uh, kickoff, you know, podcast, Definitely. and I think um, it's going to be a treat to a lot of people outside of the basketball world in the basketball world that, that give it a listen. So, for sure, you, I appreciate it. Oh, it's an man. honor, man. It's dope. Appreciate it.